today, as we wrap up our series, Life in the Darkness, I want to bring a message entitled Smoke and Mirrors. Tell at least three people the title. Tell them it's all smoke and mirrors. Go ahead. And then you can be seated. When uh, my oldest sister was uh, learning how to drive, uh, I remember driving in the car with her, and uh, we, were, we were riding uh, along. My parents were there, and as, as we, were, we were riding, this was super high. Hold on. I'm gonna, there you go. little magic trick I have for you today. When she was learning to drive, I remember riding in the car, and uh, she was, we were driving through kind of some of the back country roads of Oklahoma where we lived, and I, I remember her complaining about having to stop at stop signs when nobody is around. And I just took the opportunity to inform her that uh, every stop sign that has a white outline around it is actually optional. That's smart people humor. If you haven't got it yet, you'll, you'll catch it a little later on. I told her that those were always optional. And, and she was like, no way, that is amazing. And uh, she immediately believed me. Unfortunately for me, my dad was sitting next to her, and he didn't find it as funny. And apparently he was worried about her getting a ticket or wrecking or something and quickly corrected her. And what I found about my sister is that she fits into the term that we would call gullible. Some of you fit into that term, gullible. I think for, for a lot of us, when it comes to this one subject, as Christians and non-Christians alike, many of us have kind of become gullible. We've believed some things that really aren't true. I, I mean, sometimes if you say something with enough conviction and enough certainty, uh, you can convince some people of just about anything. And when it comes to the subject of Satan, when it comes to the subject of the devil, I believe many people in the church, outside of the church, familiar with God, unfamiliar with God, believing in God, not believing in God, have become a little bit gullible, and we've believed some things that maybe aren't true. And today, I want to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and let you in on a little bit of a secret as to who the enemy of your soul is and who he's not and how we should approach this subject with some see understanding see i believe that for for many believers, we, many people, we, we kind of fall into two extremes, as is uh, with, with many things in life, kind of fall into two extremes. One, one extreme is that uh, we, don't, we don't really think he exists at all. And if he does exist, he's just some like cartoon animated, red, red cape wearing, pokey ears, pitchfork toting, a uh, little creature that we just kind of have, have caricaturized as evil. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I think he, he's a little more than just some fictitious cartoon character. 
But on the flip side, on the other side, there, there are those believers who are so afraid of the devil. And we live in such fear and we give him way too much credit. And we capitalize the first letters of his name. And, and we hide our kids and hide our wives every October 31st. And, and, and we live in this sense of like, don't touch that, you're going to get devil cooties. Don't do that, you're going to get this. Don't do that, you're going to, oh, it's all demonic, it's all the devil, it's all the devil. No, the devil didn't give you a flat tire on the way to work. That was the nail in the road. That's where uh, that was. No, the devil didn't make you spill your coffee all over yourself on the way to work. No, that was your own uh, uh, clumsiness because you were too busy yelling at your kids to put the lid on properly. That wasn't the devil, that was you. And the problem is when we don't have a proper perspective of our enemy, we end up living our lives blaming God for things that God doesn't deserve blame for, and we take credit for things that we don't need to take credit for. So I think this is why the Apostle Peter is writing to us to help us understand a better way. Now, now let, let me be very, very, very clear. I do believe that there is a literal being called the devil, called Satan. I absolutely believe it. I believe he has henchmen. He has demon, demons that, that go and do his bidding and do his work. I absolutely believe it. I believe that, that there are people who are, who are oppressed and deal with demons on the regular, and they don't even know it. I believe there's more going on in our world than probably what we could see or understand. In fact, I think that if we actually saw how powerful our prayers were, we wouldn't just give it lip service. We would be a little bit more personally committed to it. When you could see how heaven responds when you personally pray, it wouldn't be your last resort. It would become your first line of defense. I, I believe that there are some things, uh, to, to quote Pastor Jack Hayford, some of us ha have got it all flipped around. See, you can't disciple a demon, nor can you cast out laziness in an undisciplined life. There are some things that we blame the devil on that really come to our own laziness, our own lack of discipline in our own lives. And there are many things that we're trying to discipline and change our habits and change our thought patterns, and it's really something spiritual that we need to take authority over in Jesus' name and tell it to go. And we often get it, get it wrong. We get it on the, we, we've got it twisted. And I think this is what the Apostle Peter was writing to us, and he says, hey, be alert. Be aware. Be, be sober-minded. There is an adversary of your soul and of your life. He doesn't want anything good for you. Be alert, be aware. There are two things that I think Peter is trying to help us be aware of today. Two things that I wanna help you be aware of today as it relates to this subject. The first thing that I think you need to be aware of is this, number one, be aware you have an accusing adversary. Be aware you have an accusing adversary. Look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, if I say accuser, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night, has now been hurled down. 
He's now been hurled down. It refers, it tells us two things about the enemy. Number one, he's been defeated and hurled down. The power of our God is greater than the power of the enemy. That was a great place to say amen. It's the power of God that can, why? Because light always is more powerful than darkness. Never once was Jesus afraid of demons. Never once was he afraid of the enemy. Never once did he say, we better, we better really uh, protect ourselves because the enemy's gonna, we just gotta really, really be cautious here, guys. Never once did he say that. Why? Because he knows the power and the authority of Christ, of himself, and what he's done at the cross is bigger than anything the enemy is gonna throw against you. The weapons of the enemy may be formed, but they don't prosper. They may be formed, but they don't, they don't prosper. And he says, I want you to know he's lost his power. He's been hurled down. He, every bit of, of authority and power that he has, it's been stripped away from him. And the second thing I want you to notice in this section in Revelation is that it refers to him as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. The, the one who accuses you day and night, night and day, tries to bring up accusations, to bring up your past, to bring up things that Jesus has already forgiven, uh, things that you aren't really, but you're convinced sometimes that you are still. Uh, he is always accusing you day and night, day and night. All he can do is throw out accusations about you. There are three words in scripture that often um, we use to reference this person, Lucifer, is his official name. He was an angel, got kicked out because of pride, wanting to be God himself and taking glory that belonged to God. He took it for himself and God says, no, that dog don't hunt around here. We'll see you later, pal. And God kicked Lucifer out of heaven before the foundations, before the world was ever created. Lucifer fell to the ground and fell out of heaven and he took a third of the angels with him. Those are now the demons that operate under his evil uh, powers and, and, and Lucifer was kicked out. But there are three words that oftentimes in scripture we see referenced or that we ourselves use when we're talking about the devil, three of them. The first word that we use oftentimes is the word enemy, or you see the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. That word enemy in the original language just simply means this, an adversary in court. The enemy is an adversary in court, trying to prove that you are guilty of something. But you have an advocate who comes to your defense team who stands up at the accusations of the enemy in the courtroom of heaven, and this advocate, his name is Jesus. He is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the one who came and died for you and me, and he stands up and says, no, 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 that's already been paid for. Sentence has already been paid. I paid it. They're fine. The enemy, it's a word that means adversary in court. The word Satan means opponent. Some of you are like, I knew I was talking about my spouse when I said Satan. <laughs> Wrong opponent. That's not what it's saying. The Green Bay Packers, Satan today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. That's sports. They might be an opponent, but I don't think we should call them that yet. Chicago Cubs, totally different subject, right? Like opponent, Satan just means opponent. In other words, he's always against you, doesn't want you to win. He doesn't want you to succeed. 
He wants to do everything to defend and create offense against you to keep you from winning and excelling in your life. Satan means opponent. And then this, this third one, and this, this is another one that you've heard, and that's word the devil. The devil. And here's what that means. Slanderer or accuser. Slanderer or accuser. He is your opponent who stands in the courts of heaven, slandering your good name and accusing you of things that you may have done, but the price has already been paid for. The, the, the sentence has already been, been served. You've already been declared not guilty. And the enemy of your soul, Satan himself, wants to accuse you, throw slanderous accusations against you, and try to get you to believe that you are not who God says that you are, to get you to carry and live with a false identity. And that's not who you are. That's not who you are. The accusations will always fly. Hear me, friends. The accusations are always going to come at you, you just can't let them in and choose to believe them. But they're going to sound really convincing. They're going to sound like, oh, no, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's, that's probably who I am. i probably not any good at this. I'll probably never be able to. I probably am just a lonely sinner, and, I, and I'm not worthy enough really to come to church. I'm not worthy enough to serve. I'm not worthy enough to, to really be considered a Christian. I'm just a sinner who's barely making it into heaven. No, friends, if Jesus' blood covers your sin, they are all taken care of. You are the righteousness of God. You are a son and a daughter of God. You are an heir to all of heaven's wealth and riches. It all belongs to you. But there is an enemy, and you need to be aware he is an accusing adversary. But that's not the only thing you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of, number two, that it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all. There is, you could say it like this, God is 100% true. He's 100% just. He's 100% mercy. He's 100% good. Satan is 100% lies. There is no truth in him. When he opens his mouth, it's only lies. Look at what Jesus said in John 8, verse 44. He says, listen, you belong to the, to the devil, your father, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Everything that is reproduced and fruit from his life is a lie. Everything that he says is a lie. Everything that he whispers and accuses you and slanders against who you are, it is a lie. It is not true. He can't help but speak lies because that's all that comes out of his mouth. He's 100%. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's all just smoke and mirrors. See, see, he wants you to believe something that isn't true, and he wants you to see something that isn't really there. He wants to convince you that God is mad at you. He's not but he's gonna convince you that he is. When it comes to our identity and the things that we struggle with when it comes to sin in our lives, 
All of our sin is born from a place of misplaced belief that comes because we have an improper perspective of our identity and who God has made us to be. It's all a lie. It's all a perpetual lie. In fact, this is, this is really what happened in the Garden of Eden. I don't know if you remember this. The story in the, the, the creation account. Adam and Eve, God had created everything perfect and wonderful, made them in his image. And he says, you've got all this wonderful stuff to hang out and do. This is all for you. And, and, and Satan comes in the form of a serpent and he deceives Eve by telling her, you need to eat this fruit because what you don't realize is that God is holding out on you. You, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God. Who in this room wouldn't want to become more like God? We all would. The only problem is that she already was like God. And her very identity of who she was, she bought a lie and ate the fruit. And sin then entered the world for the very first time. Why? Because she bought a lie. Why? Because the Satan's a liar. He's, he's all about deceiving you and tricking you and getting you to believe something that's not true. It's all smoke and mirrors. And Peter writes to us and he says, hey, your enemy, the adversary of your soul who wants to accuse you and slander you and, and lie to you is prowling around looking fervently for, for someone to devour and he's doing it like a lion. He's not a lion. He's just like a lion. He's not really a lion. He, he's not really that powerful. He, he's really just a, a miniature feline with a megaphone that's auto-tuned to sound like a lion's roar. If you take away the smoke and mirrors and the megaphone auto-tuned to sound like a lion, it sounds like meow. That's why cats are of the devil. I'm just saying. <laughs> Might be a bit of a stretch from scripture, but it's kind of there. It's all smoke and mirrors. He's not really that powerful. He doesn't actually have any power to control in your life unless you let him unless you let him. It's why we don't have to be afraid of a little cat. It's, it's, it's all, he's just like a lion. He's not really a lion. He's just trying to convince you that he's as strong as the lion of the tribe of Judah, whose name is Jesus Christ. He just wants to convince you that he's got the power to control you, to convince you that he's got the power to, to, to manipulate and destroy and get you to see things that aren't there. It's all a magic trick, cheap parlor trick. It's all just smoke and mirrors. He's not really that strong or powerful. He just uses fear and sin to gain access to your life. I've, I've been in ministry um, as of Saturday. It's November 1st, right? Saturday's November 1st. Whenever November 1st is. Friday. Friday the 1st, like I said, Friday, November 1st. As of Friday, November 1st, my wife and I have been in full-time ministry for, for 16 years. It marks the end of 16 years. It marks the end of actually three years of ministry here at, uh, at Faith Church here in Fort Scott area. And in my 16 years of full-time pastoral ministry, 
when I've counseled and met with people who have been, um, I'm going to say, really bound by Satan, where they have addictions that they can't shake, where they have a tormenting spirit that just won't leave, and they haven't been able to shake free from it. They have sin that they just continually repeat habitually again and again and again, where, where the darkness of their life doesn't, hasn't left. Every single time I have yet to meet with anybody that the root of their issue was because they dressed up on a day and went and asked for candy. But I have met many, many believers who were bound and stuck who couldn't get over it because they, they continually watched things that fed fear in their lives. And because they watched these movies and watched these things and read these novels and, and listened to the things that felt this, that drove fear and fed fear in their lives, it eroded their ability to understand or receive true love from God and have no ability to trust God. Why? Because all they are is bound by fear. I've seen that. I've seen people bound by the enemy who bought into a lie that, that, that they think that, that if they can just get a little bit, one more hit, and they've become slave to drugs and habitual abuse of alcohol, and the spirits behind those things have gotten into their lives and bound them up, and they can't get set free. And you can't have enough discipline in your life to break free from the enemy's grip. Only the name of Jesus can set you free from those things. I have seen that. I've seen, seen so many people let the darkness in their lives and open the window and the door of their soul because they went to a, to a psychic. They went to a seance. They got into tarot reading cards. They, they sat in a place and read their zodiac signs and started to believe the stars more than the Son of God. I've seen that. I'm not saying that we don't need to be aware. I'm just saying we don't need to be afraid of the darkness if the light is shining bright in our lives. And greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. When the spirit of God is in you, you have enough to overcome every ounce of darkness that you would face. It's all smoke and mirrors. He's trying to get you to open the door and let him in, and you don't have to. Just because he knocks at the door, doesn't mean you got to open the door. It's all just smoke and mirrors. It's a forced perspective. There's a, uh, a technique used in film called forced perspective. It, it's a technique which employs optical illusions to make an object appear further away, to appear closer, to appear larger, or even smaller than it actually is. L listen to this, forced perspective... It, it, it manipulates human visual perception through the use of scaled objects and the correlation between them and the vantage point of the spectator and the camera. It manipulates what you see. It wants you to see something. It's an optical illusion. It's all smoke and mirrors. He wants you to think that he can overpower you, but the truth is you can resist him and he has to flee. He wants you to think that you're helpless, but with Christ in you, you can overcome anything. He wants you to think that fear is just a normal reaction and a response, and you need to let the fear in. You don't. Fear is eroding the very love of God that you need to abide in and hold fast in and hold true to. It's all a manipulation of what you see. He wants to manipulate you to think that what you need is to watch a little bit more pornography to spice up your marriage, but it's wrong. 
He wants to convince you that a little flirting isn't really that big of a deal with that guy at the office who's meeting your emotional and giving you the emotional attention that you need. It's all smoke and mirrors, friends. It's all smoke and mirrors. He wants to convince you that that reading your Bible every day really isn't all that important. That's just religion and habits that bind you and you need to be set free from. No, He's, he's trying to convince you that your depression needs to be your best friend and that there's no hope for you to overcome this. It's all smoke and mirrors. He can't help but lie. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy what he's selling. Don't sniff what he's dropping. It's all smoke and mirrors. Listen, the, the enemy, he's not an idiot. He's not. He knows how to scheme to get you to fall prey to his tactics. He knows where your weak spot is. He knows what you don't want anybody else to know about. He knows the thing that you're the most shamed of from your past. He knows. He he knows what what you have been tempted by for so long. He's just a barking dog. He's just a barking dog. There was a, about a month ago, I was, uh, took my son to flag football practice, and, and I decided to go for a run while, while, he was, while he was practicing, and as I was running, uh, I came up and I started to see approaching two dogs in this uh, yard, and uh, their, their owners obviously uh, were unaware, uh, and the dogs were just running away from their home onto where we're at. And uh, they just started barking. And I was like, come on, y'all. Like, hi, I'm running. It's fine. And I saw it coming. I knew it was there. I I was aware of the dogs and their bark. I just kept running anyways. But you know what's funny? As I was running, I kept running, I got past them, I had my headphones in, I was like, Lord, I'm so thankful that I can see the attacks that would be trying to come against me. I'm so thankful that I I can be aware of the enemy's schemes in my life. And I just kept running, and all of a sudden, I thought I was past it. Started speaking in tongues on a whole nother level. I thought I was past being tempted and afraid of this thing. I thought I was mature enough, and I, I was over this. I thought I had aged out of having to deal with pride. I thought I, I thought I had aged out of having to deal with love. I thought I'd been mature enough. I've prayed enough. I've memorized enough verses to have to deal with darkness and sadness and anxiety. I thought I was well past all of these things, but the enemy knows the minute you stop being alert, the minute you stop being aware, the minute you stop walking in the power of the Spirit, and you start walking in your own strength, he's going to come right back and bite your heels. So be alert, be sober, be aware that, that he wants to scheme and get you. You've been going to church for, for, for two months straight. Life is good. You got baptized. All is great. You're just loving God. You're starting to serve. It's all good. You're just starting to now lower your defenses, and he's just going to wait. He's just going to wait till you quit dating your wife to bring somebody else along. He's just going to wait. He don't have a problem waiting for a more opportune time to devour your life. 
it's all smoke and mirrors to where you think you're not seeing him anymore, where you think he's not an issue anymore, where you think it's all good. No, he's just waiting. He's just giving you an optical illusion for you to think that the path is smooth, to think that it's easy from here on out, to think that you're, you don't need to live with, with guardrails in your life, to think that you don't need to spend time in prayer, to think where it's not important anymore to get around the people of God and allow them to champion and wrestle in your life and to be present. And he's just waiting for you to think that it's all good, and then the optical illusion drops. And he comes barking again. So what do we need to do? We already talked about you need to be aware of a couple things. Let me give you a couple practical things today. <laughs> you need to be ready to resist the devil. That's what, he, that's what Peter says. Resist the devil, James says, and he'll flee. Be aware, be sober-minded, be vigilant. Be aware, stay in the light, my friends. Stay in the light, why? Because sin and darkness, it all lurks in the shadows. It's all lurking in the shadows. That's where sin is waiting for you. That's where temptation is going to show up the strongest. It's in the dark places, in the shadow spots of your life, in the places where you're not allowing the light of Jesus to be exposing your heart and your life. Those are the places that the enemy is going to come. So stay in the light. When it comes to the sin, again, it's, it's unrepentant sin in our lives that gives the enemy access to our lives. It, it's the number one reason why well, we're going to meet with people and, and the enemy has got them so bound and trapped, it's just sin that they've refused to recognize as sin and turn the other direction from. Unrepentant sin, sin that we've kept in the shadows, sin that we've kept in the dark places of our heart, sin that we don't want anybody to know about, sin that, that, that we've justified as our own identity and it's just who we are and it's how grandma was and daddy was and so-and-so was and it's just who we are, it's generational things. no. Bring it in the light and watch what God can do with it. Uh, friends, when it comes to the temptation of your life, don't resist tomorrow what you can eliminate today. Don't wait to resist the enemy tomorrow when you can eliminate the opportunity today. Some of you, the best thing you can do is start deleting contacts out of your phone. Nope, that's their bad news. Nope, I've never done anything for God when hanging out with them. Swipe. Delete that one. No, I don't need my drug dealer's number anymore. Nope, delete it. Nope, I, I don't need that late night comfort call. Nope, get on, delete that number. And some of you, the best thing you could do is just purging the contacts, purging the things that you've been coming in contact with. Some of you need to delete the Netflix. You need to delete the things that have been the temptation that's driven you away. You just need to, to eliminate today. Why wait to resist the temptation tomorrow? Just eliminate it today. Just eliminate it today. That word uh, where Peter writes, be sober-minded. Sober-minded. You know what that word means? It means be self-controlled and calm. Be self-controlled and calm. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 says, therefore, my dear friends, flee. Everybody say flee. Flee from adultery. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Flee it. Run the opposite direction from it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, 
peace along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee from it. 1 John 5. 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says it like this. This is the message that we've heard from Christ. And now we declare to you, God is light. He's not smoking shadows. He's actual light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim that we have fellowship with Christ, yet we walk in darkness, we're living a lie. And, and, that, and we're not living out the, the truth, it says. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from, watch this, all sin until you're willing to recognize it as sin the purification of Jesus has no effect on it yet but the minute you recognize it as sin oh, that was a sin, that wasn't right I lied to my boss, I, I really I shouldn't have lied I, man I just, I just reacted out of a lot of anger and I lost my temper with my kids, that was sin, that wasn't right I had one too many drinks and I lost my own control and it slipped across the line of drunkenness. That was a sin. That was a sin. Doesn't matter how you justify it. Doesn't matter whose party it was. It was a lie. I, I know it was, it was I, I said some things about somebody behind their back. I didn't really have permission to share that news. I wasn't speaking kind. I was actually slandering them. That was, that was a sin. Lord, that was a sin. And the minute you're willing to call something a sin, you know what you do? You actually just bring it right into the light. You're bringing it into the light. And now because you brought it into the light, the fellowship with Jesus gets stronger and greater and more pure than anything else. All you gotta do is bring it into the light. You don't need to come to the altar and throw it all down and weep and wail and like promise to never do it again. You just gotta bring it into the light. Bring it in the light. Nope, that was wrong. Bring it in the light. I'm bringing it into the light. I'm bringing it in the light. Listen, when you get into the proper light, there is no shadows. You want to know how to avoid the sin traps in your life? Stay in the light. Stay in the light. Stay in the light. Walk in fellowship with Jesus. And goes on to say, if... We came, we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and he's just, meaning he silenced the accuser and justice gets served, and he cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. It's all about walking in the light. Now, if we're going to resist the devil, if we're going to resist the enemy's advances, we've got to walk in the light. And number two, we've got to speak God's word. When we speak God's word, it's not like we're just trying to create something that isn't there. No, all we're doing is coming in alignment and saying what God says about this. What does God say about this sin? It's forgiven. What does God say about this evil? That's a demonic thing. Don't, don't play with it. Don't go there. You don't need to mess with that. You don't need to communicate with the dead. 
God's the God of the living. You communicate with him. You don't need a psychic. You need the Holy Spirit who knows all, sees all, and can walk with you. That's what you need. It's, it's just call it what God calls it. Talk about it the way God talks about it. There is no sin you've ever committed or will commit or continue to commit that is too big for the love of God or the forgiveness of God. There isn't a single one. If you think there is, I'll wait. What about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, Pastor? You want to know what that means? That means you've died and no longer can confess Jesus as Lord, therefore dying having rejected Jesus. So if you die having never accepted Jesus, there's nothing God's going to be able to do for you. You've lost your chance. That's it. But there is no sin that is without the grace of God. All you have to do is resist the enemy, expose the fact that it's all smoke and mirrors and accusations and deceit and not listen to the lie. Don't buy the lie. I I love that it was Peter who writes this to us today. If anybody knows what it's like to have to listen to the accusations and the lies about a failure, it's Peter. It's Peter. You remember Peter? He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I'll follow you even to death. And, and Jesus is like, Peter, I, I love your enthusiasm. Uh, bless your heart, pal. But uh, actually, today, before the rooster crows, you're actually going to deny me three times. You're going to reject me and deny that you even knew who I'm. You're going you're gonna to deny the fact that you're a follower of me. Three times tonight. Peter's like, no, not me. Not me. I'm in. I'm all in. Night progresses. Jesus gets arrested, put on trial. Peter's hanging out by the fire. A little servant girl says, hey, I recognize you. You hang out with Jesus. You're one of his. No, I'm not. Nuh-uh. You've got me confused. I wasn't there. I don't do that. I don't believe that. That's not how I am. No, no, no. Two more times denied even knowing to the point of cursing, Scripture tells us. He followed Jesus. Jesus dies. Peter's hanging out. Shame, guilt, remorse. Man, I said I'd never get drunk again. And I did it again. I said I'd never look at that again. And I did it. I said, I said, I'd, I'd, I said I'd, I'd never fall prey to that. And man, here I am. I said, I'd never say gossip. And man, here I am. I'll do it again. I said, I'd never cheat on a test again. And oh, I did it again. I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy. I can't, I can't do it. I can't let anybody know what I'm wrestling with. I, I just got to keep it in the shadows. It was in that moment, Peter wrestling with his own doubt and his own failure having rejected knowing Jesus. God's grace shows up. And Jesus comes to where Peter's at. He says, Peter, my friend, look at, look at the nails in my hands. I, I just came back from the dead. I, I want you to know, the enemy of your soul who accuses you, I've stripped him of his power. He, he doesn't have control over, he doesn't have to control you anymore. I, I've got, look, 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 look. And receive this amazing love and grace of God. You know what's wild? That there was another disciple who denied Jesus. 
who rejected Christ, who betrayed him, turned him in. The difference between what Peter did and what Judas did, Judas at least got money for it. He made a better business deal. So much guilt and remorse overcame Judas that he threw the money back at the religious leaders and the Bible says he went and he hung himself. Friends, one honest question for you. The price that Jesus paid on the cross, the grace that God purchased and made available through Jesus, the same grace that forgave Peter was available to Judas too. The difference is one was willing to acknowledge and confess and bring it back to the light eventually. The other one just stayed in the shadows. And the accuser of the brother overran his life, tormented him, and he ended his life. Different stories, the same story, different endings. The same grace is available to you that was available to Peter and to Judas. The question is, what is it you're leaving in the shadows that you need to bring into the light? What is it that you've been walking in fear from and you just need to say, God, this is yours. I'm gonna say that this is what it is, God. This is, the, the bitterness is bitter. I don't need to be bitter anymore. I need to walk in forgiveness, God. I need to let that go. The judgment and the criticism and the, and the insecurities to where I'm making fun of other people and I'm using sarcasm to, to cloak my own insecurities to make other people feel small so I can feel better. All of the ways that we deal with it. What if we just brought it into the light before Jesus today? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor, today's the day I'm, I'm, I need to be aware and I need to begin to resist the devil. I, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna walk in this. I'm gonna live this out today. If that's you, would you just, by way of response, say, I'm gonna do this today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk this out this week. I'm gonna live aware of the enemy, but I'm gonna walk in the light this week. Hands are going up all over. Father, you see us today. You see our hearts. You see what we're doing. Father, these are your people, your loved ones. To God, God, may we walk in the light this week, fully surrendered and obedient to you. Lord, we thank you for it. You can put your hands down here in this moment by way of decision. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never asked him into your life, you've never surrendered control, but today you wanna to give your life to Jesus and begin to follow him with your whole heart. And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I wanna to make that commitment. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air real fast so we know who we're praying for? Say, I wanna, I wanna say yes to Jesus. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Are there others? I'll wait just a second. Say, I, I need to follow Jesus. I'm not following him, but I'm gonna follow him today. Church family, can we all pray this together? Nobody gets to pray by themselves today. Let's pray out loud. Father God, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that he was raised from the dead and that he's alive. Forgive me of my sins. I confess them to you. I bring them into the light and I receive your forgiveness. Walk with me. Love me. Be near me. Be my God and my friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Praise God.